little bit of light. And so I think, well, and sometimes the doors are already closed at this point, so I can't really tell. But right now, hey, that might be, this might be the first Sunday where there's still a little bit of light by the time uh, <clears throat> we start the evening service. So that's a blessing right there. That's right, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. As was mentioned about creation, uh, God's the one who created the sun, the moon, the seasons, and so God's in control. Whether uh, whether our planet is warming up or cooling down, it doesn't really matter because God's got it in His hand, anyways, and it's all good. It's all good. Now we still need to be sharing the gospel, no matter what, uh, and. The nice thing with COVID is it provides opportunity to share the gospel with people because everybody is automatically thinking, well, what if I get it? What if I die? Well, if you do, where are you going after you die? And so everybody will listen to you. So that's, so that's an opportunity, and that in and of itself is a blessing from God, even though we might not think of it as such sometimes. Anywho, it's wonderful to see everybody here. Uh, we'll go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into our popcorn selection of songs again as usual. Uh, you guys pick out one of your favorites from the hymnal uh, or just one that maybe Miss Joanne knows and, and I know how to sing. If neither of us are familiar with it, you are more than welcome to come up and play it and sing it. Uh, so whatever is perfectly fine with us. Mr. Doug usually finds one that stumps me, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's, let's pray, and then we'll jump into it. Dear God, I thank you for another day. I thank you for bringing us back here safely. I thank you, God, for the sunshine. I thank you for all of your many, many, many blessings. I pray that we would focus on you, that we would give the honor and glory and praise uh, due to your name. I thank you for giving us voices, for giving us breath. I pray that we would sing for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And did you were you honestly saying seven seventy two? Hey, our first one. Seven seventy two. Let's go ahead and stand. Seven hundred seventy two. When we all get to heaven. And would you read the verse with that one, sir? <clears throat> did you want to read it, Miss Sandy, or shall I? All right. We shall be caught up. To ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 And that will be a wonderful day. That will be. First verse and chorus. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Someone else. Yes, sir. 336. <clears throat> 336. <clears throat> there is a fountain. Thank you, Mr. Doug. Appreciate that. It's a good song, but also I know it. That's kind of nice to you. Uh, would you read the verse with that one? <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. First verse. Stains. 
John 1 9 and Pastor Mike reiterated it's for Christians but that's how we get clean is by confessing our sin to the Lord and <clears throat> he takes care of it just like that uh, someone else yes ma'am 386 386 <clears throat> the comforter has come and would you read the verse Thank you. All right, 386. First verse, of course. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found, wherever human hearts and human woes abound. Let every Christian song proclaim the joyful sound the comforter has come the comforter has come the comforter has come the Holy Ghost from heaven the Father's promise gave Spread the tidings round wherever man is found. The comforter has come. Thank you. Uh, Mom, did you have your hand up? <clears throat> Three thirty seven. Nothing but the blood? <clears throat> and would you read that verse? We were in there this morning. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, first verse and chorus. 337. And we had like four hands go up. <clears throat> yeah, at some point we'll just we'll just come in and sing one evening. We'll just come in and do that. Seven I'm sorry, that was seven sixty two? Alrighty. <clears throat> I love this song. Seven sixty two. Would you mind reading the verse, Miss Paulette? Thank you. Thank you. What a day that will be. Let's do uh, let's do the chorus, verse, and then chorus. If you don't mind. Chorus, verse, chorus. Yep. <laughs> what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be first verse there is coming a day when no heartache shall come no more clouds 
We much appreciate it. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Amen. How many of you are looking forward to that day? How many of you, hey, how many of you are okay if that happens tonight? Praise God. Amen. I tell you, somebody, you know, I always talk to someone and I say, Well, how are you doing today? And they how many times you heard this comment? Well, I'm still putting one foot in front of the other. Have you ever heard that? Well, you know what? You know what the alternative is? And they, that's what they say. Oh, it's better than the alternative. And I said, brother, I said, you ain't going to the same place I'm going. Amen? Because the alternative where I'm going is a whole lot better than it is down here. If you're a Christian down here, this is as close as you're going to ever get to. Come on now. This is as close as you're ever going to get to hell. You know what? Where we're going is a much better place. Amen? You know, one of the songs I love to hear is, you know, is sing is I, I heard an old, old story. You know, of a Savior. And I tell you what, uh, the one we just sang, uh, this one sang is the last song I sang at church a little while ago. Mike, brother and I uh, actually started singing a little bit. So I won't bore you all with that tonight. I want everybody to stay in here tonight. We're ready to go. Hey, was tonight, was this morning a sweet, what a sweet, sweet spirit this morning. Amen? What a great time of worship this morning. How many of you are happy to be back in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Give me an amen if you're happy to be here. There's one minute off sermon. That's good. See? All right. If you're, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, and I hope you do, turn to 1st John again, as I said this morning. And while you're turning to 1st John chapter number two, I'll just kind of recap a little bit about what we talked about this morning. And, and this morning we looked at the subject of true Christian fellowship, as John addressed in this first epistle. And we saw the, the conditions of Christian fellowship, and we talked about the intimacy or that koinonia, that, that true intimate day-to-day fellowship that we have with the Lord. I always talk about your personal relationship, and I hope you say your personal relationship this way with the Lord. And I asked them, somebody asked me about my relationship, and I say I have a personal, intimate love relationship with the Lord. Amen? It's personal. Why is it personal? Because I had to one day confess with my mouth Jesus as Lord, right? I had to confess. I had to repent. I had to ask him into my life. It becomes a very personal walk, a personal, intimate, that koinonia, that, that most personal, intimate fellowship that you can have and as close as you can get with the Lord. What type of relationship? A love relationship. See, you and I were created to have a personal, intimate love relationship with the Lord. We were created for, for the Lord to walk with us and talk with us, right? Isn't that why they, that He created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden? So He could walk with them, He could talk with them, He could, He could have personal fellowship with them daily. Of course, we all know what happened in the garden that messed everything up. So it's a personal, intimate love relationship with your Savior. And I hope when someone asks you about your relationship that you think about that next time and tell them that you have a personal, intimate love relationship with your Savior. A koinonia. We talked about the sonship, the capital S, capital O, capital N, sonship uh, that we have. And that is that is our position that we have, that is that union that we have with, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we said that never what? That never changes. We cannot be plucked out of the Savior's hands. We cannot be plucked out of the Father's hands. We looked at that scripture this morning. We talked about fellowship was uh, the, our positional 
uh, relationship with the Lord, I mean, our, excuse me, our daily fellowship with the Lord is a matter of light and darkness. Remember, we talked about God is the light, and we talked about Satan is darkness, and sin affects our relationship daily. We talked about two conditions for fellowship, and I hope you remembered what they were. Condition number one, conforming to a standard. And who was that standard? Who was our standard that we're conformed to? Jesus Christ, right? That is the, the, excuse me, the standard we're conformed to. And then we talked about another condition for fellowship was confession of sin. We talked about that, that biblical principle of restoration, which said that when a, when a believer commits a sin, it interrupts his fellowship with God. Daily confession of our sins is necessary for a daily cleansing. And if we have that daily cleansing, it will restore that koinonia of fellowship that we have with God. That's what we talked about uh, this morning. Now this evening we want to carry on a little bit, and I really want to take a look at just five verses, five more verses tonight, and see what John has to say concerning four characteristics of Christian fellowship. Characteristics of Christian fellowship in the New Testament church. So again, if you're able to, if you're able to stand at the reading of God's holy word, I ask you to stand up tonight, if you would, and honor the reading of God's holy word. Let me tell you, what you have in your hand is the most precious thing that you'll place in your hand all day long. Would you agree with that? Is it, I want you to repeat after me. Hold your Bible up if you have it. I love to see Bibles hold up. Hold your Bible up if you have it. Repeat this after me. This is God's holy word. It was written by man, but inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And if you read it, believe it, and live it, it will change your life. Do you believe that tonight, church? Amen. First John, chapter number 2, starting in verse number 28. <clears throat> and now, little children, abide in him, that when, we shall, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous... Ye know that every one that doth righteous, righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be back in your holy house tonight, Father God. Lord, I thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit that we had this morning, Lord. Lord, we come expecting great things to happen tonight. Lord, for as Pastor Mike said this morning, if we don't come with expectation, then nothing is going to happen. Lord, I'm, I'm preaching tonight with expectations that hearts will be touched and lives will be changed by the preaching of your word tonight. Lord, I just pray that you'll open our eyes, you'll open our ears, and you'll open our heart to the message that you have tonight. And Father, that your sheep will hear your small, sweet voice speak to their hearts tonight, Father God. And Lord, I just ask you to, to speak to us in a mighty way. And Lord, reveal what you have. And Lord, as always, we give thanks for everything and all of your blessings that you give us. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Thank you. Now, as we look to, to tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a little frog in my throat. I want you to look at characteristic number one. And we're going to find it in verse number 28. And that, that characteristic is, we are to abide in Christ. It says here in verse 28, and now, little children abide in him again if you have not highlighted that circled it or underlined it i would do so in your bible and, and because it says that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming friends the principle of the abiding life is repeated time and time again in John and in this epistle and it's again and again by John and all of his writings and that that word abide the Greek word minnow basically means to continue in it has the sense of continuing in what you have been doing to continue in what you have been learning 
to continue in that daily walk that you have been doing. It's, it also can mean do not depart from. And what are we not to depart from? We are not to depart from the doctrines of this holy Bible right here. And friends, I want to tell you, this is God's holy word. How many of you have a red-letter edition Bible? <clears throat> Raise your hand. And that red letter means what? That red letter edition means what? The, word, the words of Christ, right? Well, I want to tell you something tonight. You know what? Every word in this Bible is inspired by who? God. So every word in this Bible is from Jesus. Amen? So I've got a better edition for you. Okay? I've got a red letter edition. R-E-A-D edition. Not an R-E-D edition. How about that? You know? Because we need to read this. It needs to be read more often. You know, that's my type of red, red letter edition here, okay? I just want to give you that. That's a little tidbit. That wasn't in the sermon tonight, but God gave you that one tonight, okay? So, uh, but anyway, I want you to understand the abiding life, and that word means do not depart from. Friends, we are living in a day and a time where we are living in the great apostasy. If you know the Bible, and praise God, I know the ending, I'm on the winning team. Amen? Praise God, one day I'm coming back wearing white, white robes and riding white horses. Amen? Hey, and I can't wait for that. But I'll tell you what, we are supposed to stay in the doctrines. And we are living in a day and time where there is a great falling away from the doctrines of God's holy word. And I'm telling you, I'm not talking about, <clears throat> I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about Baptist churches that are, that were doctrinal founded fundamental Baptist churches that are stepping away from the doctrine. And they're allowing the world to come into the sanctuary, into God's holy house, and they're allowing the world to affect everything that's going on in the sanctuary today. And it's prophesied in God's holy word. We are living in prophecy that is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Can I get an amen? It's happening. If you know the end of the book, you know what's coming. Friends, I hate to tell you it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Because, brother, this will become a day that we're not even going to be able to, to, to preach the name of Jesus from the pulpit here in the United States of America. Amen? It's already changed quite a bit from what you and I know as when we grew up what it is. And I want to tell you this. It says, do not depart. Continue in him. Abide in him. Abide, John's command is to abide in him as you have already been taught. I want to tell you tonight, church, the visible proof of a Christian is obedient behavior. Jesus said, if you know me and if you love me, you will obey my commands. And, and many people do good works, but don't have faith in Jesus Christ. Can you agree with that? Many people can do good works that don't necessarily have faith in Christ. God can use a crooked stick and make it straight. Amen? He can use anything. Okay? He, he used a whole lot of bad people in the Bible to get his work done. And I'll be honest with you, I can't believe that he would want to use someone like me. And I'm sure you can't believe that he, he wanted to use someone like you also. You know, that still just confounds me today. But other people claim to have faith in Jesus, but rarely produce good works. And, and he goes on in, in chapter 20, in verse 28 here, and he says, when he shall appear, and friends, John is clearly implying the return of Jesus Christ. And let me very, very clearly, and I know Brother Mike has done a good job of this, but there is a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of, the church, of Jesus. And most of you know that. You know, the rapture of the church is when Jesus comes back and stays in the clouds, and, and then those who, who you know, will, will gather up and will meet him in the clouds, right? Okay? The dead will rise first, and then that will be changed in a twinkling of eye. Okay? That's the rapture. And as we said during lunch, or, you know, are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, right? You know, we can go all, we can go through all those different types of things right there. But, you know, it is, uh, when he, when he comes for the second time, praise God, is when he's will come and that, his foot's will hit on that Mount of Olives and it's will split right in the middle like this, and he's will ride down through there and he's, and we're gonna be riding right with him. That's the second coming 
of Christ. And so we're, we should be looking for him to appear. I'm, I told you this morning, I'm looking for him to appear at any time. I'm telling you what, we're living in the, in the end days, and it could be at any time. It goes on here in verse 28 and says, We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Dear friends, in remaining faithful to both doctrine and practice, by the way, what's doctrine? What what's would be a definition for the word doctrine? That's a dirty word in church sometimes today. Well, I'm going to preach doctrine. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to preach doctrine tonight. You know, they go, oh, he's preaching doctrine. Well, what is doctrine? The truth. Preaching the truth that are written in God's holy word. So when they go, oh, he's preaching doctrine tonight. I, I just I can't go back tonight. He's preaching the D word. Well, then they're saying you don't want to hear truth being preached. That's what you're saying. But it says remain faithful in both doctrine and practice and be confident and not ashamed at his appearing because true faith always results in good works. Those who claim to have faith and consistently do what is right, friends, those are true believers. Those who have and claim to have faith and consistently do what is right are true believers. Let me ask you this, church, tonight. Have you ever wondered or even wondered what you're going to be doing when Christ returns? How would you like to know that in three days, from this point right here, it's 7 o'clock, or 6 o'clock, three days, whatever time it is, 7 o'clock, that Christ is going to return in three days? you got how many hours? 72? Is that right? Is that three days? I taught PE. Remember, I didn't teach math. 72 hours. What would you be doing? Oh, I've stumped you. It's quiet out there right now. It's quiet out. What did, what did he just command you to do? Abide in him. Keep doing the things that you're taught. What are the things you're taught? Praise him. Worship him. Fellowship with him. But above all, share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. Amen? So if you've got 72 hours, what are you going to be doing? Abiding in him. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying. It doesn't change. I was in a church one time and we were without a pastor. <clears throat> and uh, went into the first deacons meeting and I was one of the deacons there. And we walked into the deacons meeting and, and the deacon said, What are we going to do now? And I looked at him and I said, What do you mean what are we going to do right now? Well, we're without our pastor. What are we going to do right now? I said, You keep doing what you've been doing. What you've been taught to do. And that is, what did we just say? Abide in Him. Teach the doctrine. Get people, get, share the gospel. Get people saved. Bring them in. Dunk them. Right? Get them wet. Baptize them. Praise God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? Well, <clears throat> who's going to preach? And I shock him off. I said, I will. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself in for. But I tell you what, friends. It's, it's been good. But we're just keep doing what we've been doing. Scriptures tell us to redeem the time, to buy up the opportunities, to take advantage of the time that God has given us. Character, let me give you characteristic number two of Christian fellowship. We are to do righteousness. Look at verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. Friends, let me ask you, do you know that? That God is righteous? How do you know? How do you know this? Well, it says, if you know that he is righteous, that word no. In the scriptures, there's two different Greek words for no. One is Ido. And it's we know that he is righteous by his spirit. We know it intuitively. It's it's a heart knowledge that we have. See, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, K-N-O-W, know, you know Him here because you've accepted Him. You believe with all of your heart, as it says in Romans, right? You believe with all of your heart that Jesus is who He said He was, that He come to do what He said He was going to do, and that He did what He said He was going to do. 
and you accept him by faith. That's to know. That's Ido. If you the next part of that verse says, "Ye know that everyone that doth righteousness is born of him." That word for the word, that Greek word for the word there is gnosko, and that's a head knowledge. That's a head knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. You know, that's like, for example, when when I went through school, I got a a whole lot of head knowledge about how to teach kids. And that first day I stepped into my classroom. All that head knowledge was thrown right out the window because none of it worked. <laughs> when you step in a room full of, of uh, middle schoolers, 13-year-olds, hey, that's a whole different world. They're different creatures. But you know what's so neat about 13-year-olds? Is they're just kids. And they just want to be kids. And they're going to try you, and they're going to push you, and they're going to push as far as they can push until you tell them no. You know what I mean? We were all kids once, if we can remember back that far. Right? Some of us. And we did the same thing. So I always enjoyed teaching. Matter of fact, I had chances to go down. I had chances to go up in the education system, and I stayed right where I was for 38 years. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them. Maybe that's why I'm half crazy right now. How do I know, or how do we know, because we see by experience? How many of you have experienced Jesus at work in your life? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, discipleship course called Experiencing God. And my wife and I went through that together many years ago. It's probably the reason why I'm in the ministry today, because it changed my total respect, uh, aspect of, of really looking at my life with Christ. With that, you've got it right there? Who does? Somebody does. It, I love it. I've taken about 15, 16 different groups through that course over the years and everything. And, and, I, and I love what Henry Blackby says, you know, is God's always at work around us. You know, and you come to know Christ and you come to know and do God's will when you come to experience Him at work in your life. And as we look back over our lives and everything that's happened in our lives, we can start to see where God has really worked in our life. And one of the things I loved about taking groups through that, that course was when the group came to realize, and, and oh, I wasn't lucky when this happened. I was blessed. I wasn't lucky. That was God at work in my life at that time, and I didn't even know it. Oh, that was God, so let's give God credit for what God is doing in our lives. You see, friends, a lot of times we don't give God credit for where He's at work in our lives, and we just say, man, I was so blessed. Yeah, you were blessed. You were blessed because that was God at work. Let me ask you another question. How many times has this ever happened to you? You're reading through Scriptures, and all of a sudden this little voice speaks to you and says, stop right there, you just missed something. How I many every time you're reading, you don't even realize it. You don't even remember what you just read the previous two verses. That ever happened to you? Some, some of that's old age. <laughs> but really and truly, what happens is, that little voice speaks to you and says, wait a minute, you just missed something. Do you realize you just experienced God? That was God that stopped you, and through His Holy Spirit, He spoke to you and He said, stop, you just missed something that I have for you. Now, you need to go back and you need to read it again. You just experienced God at work in your life. See, friends, you really come to, to know God's will and to do God's will when you experience Him at work in your lives. And it goes on. I want you to hear this tonight, church. John is not saying here in what we're talking about that all who are born again will do righteous works. Because we all know it's possible for a child of God to walk out of fellowship with God. Amen? We've all been there. If you've never walked out of fellowship with God, what did it say today? You're a liar. Right? I'd ask you to raise your hand here, but hopefully everybody would have their hand raised if you said you've walked out of fellowship with God. Because it happens constantly. But I also want you to know what he is saying is that those who are born again, those who are only born again, can do true righteousness. Because it is not you that is doing it. It is God working through you. 
I loved what down at the men's prayer advance, Dr. Ron Lynch says, and he, he, he's preached a, a, God, a sermon on this. He says, every morning he gets up DOA. Dead on arrival. And we're like, what do you mean dead on arrival? He says, every day I get up and I have to die to myself. And allow God and, and Jesus through the Holy Spirit to work in and through me for His work to get done. So every day he wakes up DOA. So tomorrow morning, how many of you are going to wake up DOA? Oh, praise God, we got a couple anyway. Okay, praise God. We'll pray for the rest of you that didn't raise your hands, okay? Because that's true, isn't it? Daily, Jesus said, take up my cross and follow me. You see, friends, our, our practice is we need to abide in Christ and we need to do what is righteous. Let me give you our privilege here in characteristic number three. We talked a little bit about it this morning. Our privilege here is sonship. Look at verse verse 1 and 2 in chapter number 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called, what? The sons of God. Underline that phrase, please. That's extremely important. Underline that. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I love that first verse. I don't know about you. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Man, friends, what a glorious love that God wanted to adopt me, David Huffer, to be his son. Amen? I just, I mean, I love that verse right there. It, it's, it's interesting it, that what a glorious love that God should claim me as his son. Not only that, what a glorious love that God should call me to be his son. And the fact that we're called the sons of God is not predicated on anything that we have done. What did we say this morning? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Say that with me one time. It's all about Jesus. It's what He has done for us. What's the Bible say about even our best efforts? They're as what? Filthy rags. You see, friends, it's all about what Jesus has done for us. <clears throat> Paul says it this way in Romans 8. The Apostle Paul develops the sonship as a function of adoption. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. This is Romans 8, 14 through 17. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, I love it because it's the most personal word that you can get. It's like saying Daddy. Daddy. How many of you love to have your children or your grandchildren crawl up in your lap and they'll, your children look up and say, Daddy? Or your grandchildren look up and say, Granddaddy? You know, it's just something special about that word, Abba, when he says, you know, <laughs> here's what I love. We talked this morning about Jesus as our advocate. Remember that? Our lawyer? Do you know what? When Satan comes into heaven and he's talking about you, and Jesus looks up and he looks up in his daddy's, in, in his daddy's face, he says, Abba, Daddy, it's already been paid for. It's covered by my blood. Praise God on that. We've got that heavenly advocate right there, friends. I'm telling you, it's just something special about that spirit of adoption. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Friends, we're not all brothers spiritually, though. You know, I, I, I told the church this, this past couple weeks ago, we do our children a disservice when we tell our young kids, well, you've got the Spirit of Jesus living down inside of you. And I know what we mean. We all know what we're talking about. But we also know the theologically that's not correct. Amen? The Bible tells us that until we're born again, 
that we belong to our father, the devil. Friends, there are two families that exist on this world today. The family of God and the family of Satan. And until you're born again... And so, you know, we need to be real careful, seriously, about how we, and how we teach our theology and everything because you do not become a Christian until you're born again. Now, I believe it was in the 16th chapter of, of Acts where they were first called, was it the 16th after, chapter they were first called Christians? That's what I thought, where, where the, they were first called Christians. You see, friends, we are, we are not all brothers spiritually. Paul says, uh, John says this, Jesus says of those who are not born again, you are of the Father, your devil. Paul wrote it this way, he said, for you are all children of God, but by faith in Jesus Christ. One of those families is a family of life. The other is a family of death. One of them is a family of light. The other is a family of darkness. One of those is a family of righteousness and the other is a family of wickedness. And friends, the only way to pass from the family of Satan into the family of God is by the grace of God. We said this morning, grace is unmerited favor. It's getting something we don't deserve. What was merit? Does anybody remember what mercy was? Not getting something we do deserve. The pits of hell. But as many as him, as many received him to them, he gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Friends, in verse three, in chapter three, verse one, it says, "Therefore the world knoweth us not." Unbelievers do not understand why Christians live the way we do. We're considered fanatics or crackpots. Back in my time, we were uh, Jesus freaks, if you talked about Jesus. How many remember that term? You're old enough to remember that term, Jesus freaks, right? If you carried your Bible, you were a Jesus freak, right? Okay? The, the unbelievers don't understand why we Christians live the way we do, okay? Our intellects are often attacked, and we're going to be attacked more and more and more as the days go on. Friends, you get ready for it. We're going to be under more persecution than we've ever been before because of what's happening in the world today. They don't understand it. Uh, a person is ignorant to turn, they say this, a person is ignorant to turn their back on worldly pleasures just for church or for religion. That's what they think about us as Christians. Paul reminds us, that the natural man cannot understand spiritual things. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Unbelievers don't understand it, because they are not aware of what motivates you and I. When we do something for the Lord, what should be our first motivation? Why should... what? motivates us to do that because of what he has done for us right we ought to be motivated to to do what we're supposed to do because of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary that ought to be one thing that motivates us okay uh, another thing is because we want to be obedient to what he has taught us so friends, there's so much in store for those who faithfully serve Him. Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord God is our, is our sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will, with, will be withheld from them that walk uprightly. You know, if we, go into a, uh, if we go into a mortuary and you see two dead men lying side by side, you know, and you ask, what fellowship do those two guys have together? What would the answer be? None. Absolutely. You can't have fellowship. Why? Because they're dead, right? <laughs> Pretty obvious. You know? They're dead. Well, it's the same thing. Okay? Rightly so. The world is dead to a spiritually minded believer, right? They don't know what motivates us. Well, friends, the same is said. That spiritually minded believer is dead to the world also, right? 
Because if you're born again, old things are passed away and everything has become new. Let me tell you this, friends. If you're true believers, walking in the light, the world does not know who we are and the world does not want to know who we are. They don't want to have anything to do with us. Every truly born-again believer is a son of God and the Holy Spirit dwells within him. Can I get an amen? We know that happens. John 3, 5 says we are born of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 says we are baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14, we are led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 16, we are assured by the testimony of the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30, we are sealed by the Spirit. Praise God, our privilege is the sonship of God. And lastly, I'm going to finish up with this characteristic number four, what we shall be. Look at verse chapter 3, verse 2. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. Friends, we know after the resurrection, Jesus ascended to the Father. And it, and it, and it says, then he returned again unto the earth. Probably it could have been just a few seconds. It wouldn't have been very long. That he returned back to the earth. And his resurrection body was not bound by time. It was not bound by space. It was not bound by matter. He vanished after talking to the two on the road to Emmaus. He appeared in the midst of the disciples in the upper room through the locked doors. And we know that because Thomas felt the scars in the hand. Even if God had taken the time to explain such, such mysteries as these, it's doubtful that you and I could even comprehend what was happening at that time. What shall we be? The Bible says we shall be just like Him when the time comes. And our hope, every hope that we have is in Him. And that hope, friends, is that the blessed hope that we have is the coming of Christ. That appearing of Christ. The love chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians says, faith, hope, and what? Faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is love, right? Why? What is faith? Very quickly, what is faith? Believe, the belief in something you can't see, basically, right? Okay? Our belief is we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in God, we believe all of His blessings, but we can't see it, but we believe in it. That's faith, right? Okay? What's our hope? Our hope is that eternity we have, Christ's return and that eternity we have with Him in heaven. Correct? Well, it says, why then is love the greatest of those? And here it is. Because when you and I die, your faith becomes sight. You're sitting right at the foot of Jesus, right? Your hope is complete because you're there. But you know what's still there? Love. For how long? Eternity. So the greatest of these three is love. You see, friends, if we want to have that personal, intimate love relationship that we're looking for with, our, with Christians, with believers, with God, and with Jesus Christ, then we need to abide in Christ. That's our practice. Abide in Him. Do righteousness as we've looked at tonight. Our privilege is to be called what? The sons of God. S-O-N. Capital S-O-N. And then our prospect is to wait and look for the coming of Christ. That blessed hope that we have, the appearing of Christ. And if we continue to do these things, then friends, I can promise you that your fellowship with believers, your fellowship with God, and your fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, will be sweeter and sweeter day by day. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for your love. Lord, we should never question your love, for love, your, your love for us was settled on the cross of Calvary when you hung and took on that cross and took the sins of the world upon your shoulders. Father God, Lord, we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve your mercy. Lord, we don't deserve the peace that a relationship with you brings. 
But tonight, Father God, Lord, as we bow our heads and our hearts, Lord, we want to say thank you. Thank you for loving us and laying down your life for us. Lord, Father, if there's anything in our life right now, Lord, we cry out as David cried out, search us, O God. Lord, Father God, show us what we have hidden in our hearts. Show us what we have, uh, Father, maybe even forgotten to, to even uh, confess. Lord, we, we ask you to forgive us of our sins that we've committed, but Lord, so, uh, Lord, also forgive us of that sin of omission, the sins that we should be, excuse me, the, the things that we should be doing for you, but Father God, we don't do. Lord, we forget about those all the time. But Lord, as we come to you tonight, Lord, we, we just want to confess that, Father God, maybe our fellowship is not where it should be. And that, Lord, just show us what we need to do to change. Give us the strength to make those changes because we can't make them on our own. And then, Father God, Lord, we will join you where you're at work. Lord, I do pray if there's one in here tonight that does not sure, is not sure of their salvation, they say, well, I, I hope I'm going to heaven. I, I, I think I'm going to heaven. Then, Lord, they need to come down and, Lord, we'll just take this good old King James Bible and show them, Father God, Lord, what you say it takes to be in heaven and be assured. But, Lord, if we're not walking with you daily the way we should, Lord, Father God, may we... May, may we confess that and repent and turn and come back and to get in daily fellowship with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We go sing one to end or we go, or was that it? Is that it right there? Let me just stand, stand real quick if you would. Let me just say this. Thank you for allowing me to be here this morning and again tonight. What a privilege it was to be able to bring the word. Brother Mike, I appreciate it very much. What a sweet spirit here in the church. Amen. I know there's a lot of things going on, but you know what? That's Satan. Satan's got everything. He keeps things stirred up. And I, let me tell you this very quickly. If you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing and this church was not doing what it was supposed to be doing, then Satan wouldn't have anything to do with you. Because if you're not, if Satan had you, you know, doing what he wanted you to do, he'd just be laughing at you and he, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even bother with you. But friends, that means there's a sweet, sweet spirit right here. It means there's some good people here and there's some good things going on. And, and when Brother Mike leaves and you're waiting to bring a pastor in, what are you supposed to do? Keep doing what you've been taught to do. Amen? Abide in Christ. Stay close to Him. Don't depart from His teaching. And share the Word. And if you keep doing those things, then your fellowship is going to continue to be sweet. God will bring the right man. He's already got that right man and woman because that's a couple. And he's already got them prepared for you. Amen? God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. And I hope you have a blessed week. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you.